0: Are you ready to overcome the complexities and burdens that come with your success? Join the team at Centura Wealth Advisory in the Live Life Liberated podcast. Now, on to the show.
1: Hello, and welcome to Live Life Liberated with the team from Centura Wealth Advisory. Back on the microphone, Roby Kotkamp. Roby, how are you doing? Fantastic. Thanks, Eric. Can you? I'm doing fantastic. I, I'm, I'm excited. Listening audience, if you have not heard that last podcast, Roby did a great interview. I'm not even going to tell you what it's about because you got to go out and check it out. But today you're on the mic again in the hot seat and you've got Derek with you, correct?
2: That's right. Mr. Myron, welcome.
3: Thank you, Roby. How are you this morning? Fantastic. Good to see you. So we're going to be talking about SALT, which stands for state and local tax. And that became a big topic since uh donald trump's tax law in 2017 where he uh effectively capped that deduction and these both coastal sets of states you know out of the 50 states 44 states have a state income tax but really along both coasts is where those income taxes are really high and uh man it really eliminated a big deduction for a lot of folks uh starting january 1st 2018 so we're going to talk about that and what the states have done to kind of help taxpayers mitigate some of that lost exempt, uh, uh, deduction.
1: All right. Yeah. Well, I, I know there's a lot of people out there waiting to hear this podcast. So go for it.
3: Hey, yeah. So uh, appreciate
2: that. So uh, as as Derek alluded to, we're, uh, we're going to talk about SALT today. And in particular, we're going to talk about how states and we're going to talk specifically about how the state of California is implementing this. But uh, we're going to talk about we're going to try to talk about it a little bit more broadly and then dial into what California is doing, because it's a good model for what's happening in a lot of states. And the solution has really come through what uh, is known as a pass through entity. So there's kind of a workaround that's been created in a lot of the states. So as we jump into this, we always kind of like to say at the outset, look, we are not a CPA firm. And so as we talk about this. This is going to be accurate information, but you're always going to want to talk to your team of professionals as we, as uh, you think about these things because facts and circumstances matter. So as we're talking in a little bit general terms here, but uh, I think uh, you're going to find a lot of value as we listen to this today, right? So, Derek, you want to you want to kick us off here as we go through this?
3: Yeah, I think I think what you just said is accurate, but I think you're going to offer a lot of. Uh pretty darn good advice here as well. And I think I think it's always helpful for the listening audience just to kind of know your background and, and you know, who who are you, Roby, and, yeah. and what's your background and to yeah. even opine on these matters. So, yeah. can you share with us? Yeah, glad to do that. So, Roby Kottkamp.
2: Um, So, I'm my, by way of education, undergraduate degree from Purdue University, graduate degree from Northwestern University, all of that in finance and economics. And so, I, uh, I know one or two things, I guess, uh, so that that's an interesting start. Spent the first part of my career, uh, actually more in corporate financial management, corporate general management, uh, did a lot of work in M&A, did some work around the world, uh, ran a program management function, running a half-billion-dollar research and development budget for a technology company, ran a distribution business in Southeast Asia, so did a lot of interesting things. First half of my career, had a lot of fun, a lot of success. My wife said, you need to get off the road. I'm not loving that uh, and actually, uh, found my way, I guess, to the career that I've been in now for the last 15 years. So wealth management, working with high net worth, ultra high net worth clients, and just really love serving those families.
3: Awesome. Awesome. Thanks for sharing. I think it'd be really helpful. uh, We always start the podcast with sharing who, who is the listening audience to listen to salt? Who, who, who should be, who should listen in?
2: Yeah, so um, I think this would be interesting for anybody listening, but in particular, we're targeting here business owners that have some sort of a pass-through entity for their business. So typically a partnership, S-Corp, or even an LLC that's taxed as a partnership or S-Corp. That's where you're going to find some real applicability here in terms of what we're going to talk about today.
3: Okay. So those individuals and the professional advisors who serve them.
2: Exactly right. Yeah.
3: Okay. So they also need to make some profits too, right, Robes? uh, It's not... if 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 they're not making some profits then they're they're not going to be prepaying any taxes here so uh they, they got to be pretty profitable yeah
2: well. well well said and so just and in, in, we'll tee that up in a little broader context and then kind of again dial this into the business owners we're talking about so really this is this is applicable to almost all the solutions that we offer to clients right so we're always talking to business executives business owners of privately held businesses in all those cases those folks really we're talking talking to folks that probably need to have income north of a million dollars net worth or business value north of 10 million dollars and the reason is that that's really where we can provide significant kind of exponential value. And so in, in this case, business executives, this is not really something directly applicable to a business executive. This is more about the business owners. But in this case, we certainly wanted, we want to be talking to someone that's got a business that's probably north of $10 million and probably profitability of at least a million dollars. And clearly, this thing gets better and better as the profits are higher.
3: Certainly. Certainly. Mm -hmm. So let's some broader context about income tax planning. After income is recognized and on a tax return, there's really four categories of where you could focus to try to mitigate that income tax. And Mm -hmm. they, they fall into four categories and it's exclusions, exemptions, deductions, and credits. And there's one of those four that's the most valuable because the first three exclusions exemptions deductions they're dollar for dollar reduction in income but the fourth one is a dollar for dollar reduction in tax so that's the most valuable is uh the holy grail there is the tax credit what we're talking about today is what a deduction correct correct so let's kind of set up what happened Uh, with Donald Trump and then bringing it forward. Can you share with the audience what happened? Absolutely. So uh, back in
2: 2016, I don't know if folks remember this, there was this guy, Donald Trump, he was elected president. Uh, Some people liked that, some people did not. Uh, At least from an income tax planning perspective, uh, some Good opportunities came about because of legislation that got passed. So, in 2017, the Republicans had made uh, commitments to essentially revise the tax code. And the way that that started was, it, as some folks may remember this: it was going the direction of let's just have a uh, tax return that's kind of the size of a postcard, sort of a thing. And as you might imagine, the lobbyists got involved, in that that didn't really happen the way you would have thought. So, what uh, the Republican-controlled Congress, Paul Ryan was the speaker at the time, Donald Trump was in the White House, they passed a really sweeping tax legislation that said, here's what we're going to do. we're going to we're going to in some ways simplify things. We're going to say we're going to take out a lot of deductions that used to exist. We're going to increase the standard deduction and make this somewhat simpler for a lot of taxpayers. And the truth is, probably for ninety percent of taxpayers that was a net gain. The challenge here was for high-income taxpayers in high-income tax states, because what they did is they said, you used to be able to essentially have an unlimited deduction of state and local taxes, so your property taxes, your state income taxes, and all that. So if you're in the state of California, that's big numbers. Everybody listening to this knows that. If you've got a million dollars of income, you're paying at least $125,000 in taxes in state of California, plus your property taxes. The new legislation- And so what did you
3: used to do? You used to get a deduction at the federal level- so you would save if you're in the top tax bracket which today is 37% you'd save 37% of the, those two numbers the real estate and the property tax i mean the property tax and the income state income tax
2: exactly exactly right so there you know there were a few agi phase outs that sort of thing but for all intents and purposes you were getting whatever your marginal rate was you were getting the full benefit of that deduction so part of what Trump and the Republican controlled Congress did, as they said, we've got to make this revenue neutral, which, by the way, is never quite the way this works. But at least on paper, the CBO scored it this way. Part of So what they did is they said, we're going to eliminate this uh, ability to to write off all of these very large state and local taxes. So they dialed it all the way back from nearly unlimited to only $10,000. So anybody living in the state of California is making more than a million dollars a year. Your property tax bill is probably $30,000 at least. So you're consuming that right there. You have no ability to write off any of their taxes. And so that's, um, you know, legislatively, that's that's where the big change happened. And the impact, again, was to these high income high-income taxpayers in high-income tax states.
3: So that went into effect it was passed late 2017 went into effect january 1st 2018 correct and two years later what finally happens what plays out next
2: yeah so it was interesting uh there's a lot of real uh interesting ideas i love the you know so any any time that uh congress or the president decides they're going to pass a piece of legislation and they're somehow going to stick it to rich taxpayers it's it's kind of funny in a way right because as soon as they pass the legislation all the smart folks come out, the us and the CPAs and the state planning attorneys and say, how do we work our way around this? Interesting, several interesting tries at this. My favorite was uh, California tried this. Some other states tried this. They initially said, let's set up a charitable tax foundation and let's have people make charitable contributions to volunteer to pay tax. And uh, very quickly, Congress and the IRS showed up and said, yeah, we're not going to do that. That's That's not going to be allowed. And so they tried several ways to do this, and ultimately the idea came up, hey, what if we had tax come through a, essentially a, a volunteer tax through the pass through entity with that at which the individual partners could then take as a creditor deduction on their tax return with that pass muster. And so in um, November of 2020, the IRS passed, uh, well not passed, but they issued revenue notice 2020-75, which essentially said, these are the rules by which we're going to let you follow this strategy.
3: Well, Roby, thank you for sharing that. Yes, that was IRS notice 2020-75 and very helpful to states to guide them what they should or should not do. And so then states took action, right? Because out of the 50 states, 44 have a state income tax, right? So this affects potentially 44 different states. And it's not going to change at the federal level because the legislative branch and executive branch would have to get together and make that happen. And so they they knew that wasn't going to happen. Right. They tried, uh, tried three times in twenty twenty one. That didn't go anywhere. So they turned it over to the states and said, states, what can you do? Right. So
2: and so at this point, so actually a lot has happened. Now, twenty four states have met have passed some version of this idea of partners, again in a partnership or S corporation, being able to take this voluntary tax through a pass through entity. Now, every state's got a you know a little bit different spin on it. There none of them are the same, but the model looks reasonably like the model that exists in California. And California was pretty much out in front of this issue, they as as they often are on these on these kinds of things. And so that's where we're really going to spend a little bit of attention today. We'll talk about the I'll call the California model and the concepts here should have whatever state you happen to be in, the concepts should likely apply in your state. And again, we'll be happy to walk through the specifics of that uh, as as we spend time
3: talking with you. Perfect. So July 16, 2021, California passes. AB150 Small Business Relief Act. So you right. want to share what 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 they did there. Yeah, so
2: fairly straightforward. Essentially again what they said is so this is the if you're in a partnership or an S corp or an LLC that's taxed like one of those two things, you now have this ability essentially to make an election that says we as partners are going to pay a voluntary tax At the entity level. So for folks that are listening and know a little bit about tax, you may say, well, I thought the whole point of the pass through thing was that I wasn't paying tax at that level or paying a reduced tax. This is a case where you're going to volunteer to pay a tax at the entity level. What the state of California has done is said you can volunteer to pay at a rate of 9.3% of qualified net income. And if you do that, the partners are then able to take the benefit of that tax deduction and essentially flow it through. Essentially, take a credit on their personal tax return. A deduction. Yeah, t- exactly. So, take a deduction on your personal tax return. So, uh, again, you're paying at the entity level, and then on the it flows through to the partners, and the partners can then take a tax deduction.
3: So it's a, it's essentially lowering that income, and then you get that that. Ta- the taxes paid gets credited against your tax bill.
2: Yeah, exactly right. And so, and just by way of kind of adding a little more flavor to this, so California, like, really, they um, California is um, wanted to help taxpayers in this situation but they never like to overhelp taxpayers. So they basically set an auto expiration on this thing. So if you look at what's inside of the federal legislation, right, the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, that expires at the end of 2026. So what the state of California did is they said, this is going to be good from 2021 to 2026. It will automatically expire at the end of 2026 because it becomes unnecessary unless Congress passes additional legislation. The federal uh limit on this deduction of the state and local taxes disappears we'll go back to the old tax code and so this expires automatically they also put a provision in that said if congress passes some legislation in the interim this california law will automatically expire so california is sort of doing you a solid but they're not gonna help you too long here they're, they're gonna have it as long as it's necessary
3: well and they also they they the law was written kind of funky in, in a handful of ways. And so they had three years, you know, that passed in 2017. They had three years to figure it out. And uh, because they they didn't pass this until the summer of 2021. And when they they sent it out, there was a lot of feedback from the community saying, Oh my gosh, how do you address this? How do you address that? And so they had to come back with the second, second. What what was the next swing? Sorry. Yeah,
2: exactly. You know, it's never uh, it's never a good visual to watch the sausage being made in legislation. So, for every good law that gets passed, you know, seventeen other issues come up. And so there's a lot of just you know, as Derek alluded to, lots of questions for business owners. How does this really work? The CPA community said, "What about this? What about that?" And so in um, in February of 2022, so just earlier this year, they passed Senate Bill 113, which uh, effectively was, okay, all those issues that you raised that made this super confusing and was causing business owners to say, I don't even know if I can apply this in my situation. They really cleaned up the worst of the gaps in the legislation. And so now there's pretty good clarity around how, to get, how you actually execute this.
3: Yeah. So they wanted to eliminate those unintended consequences. However, unlike the other states, Roby, they made onerous requirements here in this state around timeline. And we know in our practice that most CPAs are so busy with tax compliance, just getting the work done, that spending time getting everybody educated on the consulting side can be difficult and arduous. And these timelines are super important in order to receive this very valuable deduction. Can you talk about that?
2: Yeah, exactly right. And so, what has to happen is if you're going to try to take advantage of this voluntary tax through the pass through entity, you have to make an irrevocable election. And you have to do that by June 15th of the tax year for which you are dealing, right? So, if you were going to do this for 2022 tax year, You needed to by June 15th of this year have made this election that you were going to participate in this program. At the same time, you have to actually make a minimum payment. And that payment, and this is going to be true throughout the life of this program through 2026, assuming it survives that long you will have to make its minimum payment of of the greater of $1,000 or 50% of whatever the tax liability either was for last year when you followed the program, or obviously in the first year, you're doing some sort of estimation process of what that liability is going to look like. And then the balance of the tax, whatever that is, has to be paid by the original due date of the tax return. doesn't help if you extend the tax return. Like You can extend it, but- Payment is due for this thing at the original date of the filing of the return.
3: Yeah. So, and I I, I guess a couple things. So if you paid in the thousand dollars fine, if if you paid in exactly 50% fine, however, there's a lot of taxpayers who don't have their 2021 return done by June 15th. So now you're in this precarious position. Of guessing, CPA is guessing as to what is fifty percent, and you can't be below it. I don't. Do you have any reason why they would have those two requirements? Like, what does this have to do with the tea in China? Like, I mean, I don't. I don't understand.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, you know, the, that in some ways I think is is a is a guessing game for a lot of people in a lot of cases. But I think that the that the state essentially says, well, particularly in the state of California. That there's always a desire to say we want to collect as much as we can as early as we can, and so I I think there's this process of sen- essentially saying we're going to force you to try to estimate it, and look to the extent that you don't know, you're going to want to guess high because if you're if you're on the low side, we're, you know, and and probably a lot of folks in this call have lived through this with the franchise tax board of being on the wrong side of this thing. Like there's, it's not a pleasant place to be. So yeah.
3: So, I've heard from I've spoke to many different cpas and and I've heard different answers. So they're most worried about, gosh, we estimated a bunch of people and we came in a few dollars short on some. They're pretty frustrated by that. They don't want to own the liability around that. how you know they don't have a crystal ball. number one, number number two, there's some people that just missed the thousand dollars. They just missed yep. you know, it's new legislation. It's hard. And so, I've heard two different answers like, some CPAs are, hey, we're going to write a letter to the franchise tax board and say what happened, and we're going to take the deduction anyway. And I've heard CPAs at the other end of the continuum saying, "We are, you know, it's pretty statutorily, it's pretty clear you're not going to be able to take the deduction." Right. And so, boy, that's just add a little <laughs> bit more confusion to the to the stew.
2: Yeah, exactly right. And you know, and and so it's important, uh, a, that as you're talking to your financial professionals that. They really give you a sense that they clearly do understand the legislation. And to the extent that there's room for interpretation, that they're going to walk you through that and help you to achieve the optimal outcome. Because this is true of every single part of the tax code, right? It's there's the legislation is written and then there's the interpretation of the legislation. And this is where all the planning opportunities are is understanding, okay, how do I interpret this? And as a CPA, as a CFP, as an estate planning attorney. What's my willingness to sort of say, let's try to find the most favorable interpretation of this on behalf of clients, and, and obviously understand the client's tolerance for the risk of, you know, what? How are we going to approach this?
3: Absolutely. Yeah. But I, I've been looking back with the number of business owners that have come to see us since June fifteenth, and it's a, it's alarming how many how were not aware or were aware and didn't take the correct actions and it's a that's the reason why we're doing the podcast is that especially as we get here towards the year end we're like wow there's a lot of uninformed folks and this deduction is highly valuable I mean we're tens of thousands hundreds of thousands of dollars at stake here yeah
2: absolutely and 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 maybe helpful just in the way of kind of talking about the numbers here right so if you just think of an example so let's let's say that you're you're a partner in a business that's taxed as a partnership or an S corporation or an LLC, taxed is one of those things. And let's say that the business generates $4 million in profit and you're a 25% owner. I'm going to keep the math really simple, right? So you've got a million dollars of qualified net income in that partnership. What The way that this would work is you would apply a 9.3%, that's the mandatory rate that you subscribe to, The business entity, the pass through entity pays that tax on behalf of the partners. Now, the partners have to actually opt in individually that, yeah, that's, I want that treatment for myself. There are circumstances in which somebody might not want to do this, but in general, probably a partner is going to say, yeah, I probably want to get in on this because what's happening is, that The entity pays that
3: tax. That, that $93,000 for 90, one partner.
2: Yeah, $93,000 for one partner. That's deductible within the entity level. They're paying the tax. And then the goodness of that essentially flows through through the K-1 process to the partner. So the partner is then able to say, I'm going to take that $93,000. I am going to reduce my... Uh, total income by the $93,000. And then you overlay the, the marginal tax rate effectively at that point. So, so
3: you're in a 37% uh, bracket there. Yeah. So you're, you're talking pretty darn close to 32, 33 $34,000 right yeah. there in savings. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, call it $30,000 for
2: every million dollars in income. And, and, you know, we talk to folks every day of the week that, you know, that number is four five, ten five, 10 times that. So uh, it's, it's one that it's worth the energy to think through this and, and participate.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And <clears throat> somebody, need, you know, there are so many things in managing wealth and planning for ultra high net worth families. Somebody's got to take the labor in here because, you know, these business owners, they have enough on their plate. And you're saying I need to manage one more deadline and more and more. I mean, and the rules may change in a year or two. How do you recommend that business owners manage all of these yeah.
2: Yeah. So, and we, you alluded to earlier, Derek, that the the natural thought process, I think would be, well, I'm going to talk to my CPA about this. The challenge for CPAs right now, and like, look, we work with like dozens of CPA firms and there's some fantastic CPA firms. Like you want a great CPA in your corner. The challenge they have today, like every other business. And if you're a business owner listening to this, you know, this is true. It's tough to find help right now. That's true in the CPA world. It's true everywhere. So CPAs are struggling to just do a great job on the compliance with your tax work, much less take the proactive approach to, hey, these there are these planning opportunities you could be looking at. Now, some do. I don't mean to kind of cast too, too wide of a net here, but that's a real issue that CPAs struggle with. Therefore, this is where a firm like ours really steps into that gap. And so what we want to do is essentially say, look, this is really what our clients pay us to do is find those planning opportunities that my other professionals, even though they know about it, or maybe they just haven't got to it yet, we can step into that gap and say, these are those opportunities and we need to dive into the specifics of your situation to make sure that we apply it in the right way, given the facts and circumstances in your life. So you wanna be talking to a firm like ours. Selfishly, I would say ours is the only firm to talk to about this, but, uh, but that, that's the way to approach that, I think.
3: Yeah, a hundred percent. And I think just to add onto that, it's about a process. And we have a process, we have a software that captures all of these tasks with reminders, with all the things to make certain, this is a project. Right. And it's not it's not a failure of a memory like, hey, I'm going to remember it's if it doesn't get done well, it's a failure of a process. And so if you don't have a good process to keep this stuff in front of you and that we're really really exercising on these opportunities, that opportunities will will be missed.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And and we see that, honestly, every day of the week, right? I mean, we're I spend a good part of my days uh, talking to folks that are in the CPA world, estate planning world, talking to potential new clients. So we're looking at tax returns and we're sort of seeing these things where, wow, like it looks like maybe we're missing some opportunities here. And in almost every case, it really is. It's an issue of process that there's there's so much. Every professional has so much to do. There are literally hundreds of tasks that exist for every client in your book of business. And if you don't have a process to make sure that that stuff's all laid out with dependencies and critical path and all those things that good project managers know about, you are for sure going to drop tasks along the way. This is really, I think, the differentiator for our firm is that we've kind of figured that recipe out, that it's critical to get that process laid out in a way that, On a day-to-day basis we know exactly not only do we know the strategies that our clients ought to be looking at but we know how to go execute those strategies in a very thoughtful way so that things don't get missed
3: i think that said well project management and having that project plan so all all the of the professional roster can see what's going on and what's next and what needs to happen right well you've given the listening audience a lot what are your any closing thoughts today
2: yeah. So like all things, you know, be thinking, you know, are there any risks here? And so um, the reality is that these things are always moving. And so we have to sort of keep our eye on Well, what what are state legislatures doing? What's the federal legislature doing? You know, and so the, the Biden administration and Democratic controlled Congress tried several times to essentially fix this thing at a federal level last year, didn't get it done. Um, now that we have a you know a modestly controlled Republican House, probably nothing happens here, so that's not much of a risk. But we'll need to keep our eye on that. Courts can be a risk; the courts may come along and say we don't think it's constitutional, those sorts of things. So you always have to watch that. But that's really that's again that's part of the role we play. Like that's why you want a good professional in your corner, looking at this stuff and keeping you. You don't need to do this as a business owner; you need a professional that's watching that stuff for you. So I think you want to keep your eye on that. In terms of just, hey, how do I get in front of this thing right now? So the real here's the reality. If if you're listening to this and saying, I think this fits me, I think I missed it in 2022, let's still talk. Like there might be some opportunity based on the willingness of CPA to sort of interpret this law a little more broadly. Let's not write it off completely, but 2022 will be challenging, but you can absolutely get ahead of 2023. Let's make decisions now that you get this deduction for the next uh, four years that will be available.
3: Absolutely. Great advice. Well, thank you for spending the time and breaking down a complicated topic that is very, very valuable to pass through business entities that are highly profitable. And if this is you and you're listening, please, uh, why don't you give them your email address?
2: Yeah, so uh, my email our at and uh send, and this will be in the links that we send out to folks and so forth. And uh and our phone number here is uh 858-771-9500. We absolutely want to talk to. You. Today was just one strategy among probably 50 that we cover and this one frankly is it's it's a good one. It's not close to the stuff we're doing for clients on a day-to-day basis. So if you if you find yourself in that camp of you're a business owner, business executive, high income, kind of seven figures and up, net worth eight figures and up, so much we can help you with. And we would love to talk with you and help you as you plan your legacy for your family.
3: Fantastic. Well, thank you for all the information. And uh, Eric, why don't you uh, take us out, here?
1: Absolutely. Gentlemen, thank you again for all the great information. Another great podcast listeners. They have such a library. Go and check it out. Uh, You can go to the website and check those out and see all the past episodes as well. And again, to you, the listener, thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the Live Life Liberated podcast with the team from Centura Wealth Advisory. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when the team comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. And we humbly ask you to share this podcast, rate it, and leave a review, as this actually does help others find the show. Again, thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at Centura Wealth Advisory, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time.
0: Thank you for listening to the Live Life Liberated Podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. Centura Wealth Advisory, Centura, is an SEC-registered investment advisor with its principal place of business in San Diego, California. Centura and its representatives are in compliance with the current registration and notice filing requirements imposed on SEC-registered investment advisors, in which Centura maintains clients. Centura may only transact business in those states in which it is notice filed or qualifies for an exemption or exclusion from notice filing requirements. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Tax relief varies based on client circumstances and all clients do not achieve the same results.